Grab your pre-workout and turn up that volume. It is time for a new episode of the Powerlifters Den with your host, Cam Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode seven of the Powerlifters Den. Uh, I'm Cam Smith, and today I have a special guest on. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Rob? Uh, hi, guys. My name is Robert Jero. I'm a strength conditioning coach at Stonehill College uh, for the football team. I also work at a performance facility in Hanover, Mass. called Atlantic Sports Performance. Awesome. Um, so to get started, I just want to uh, ask where you're from and uh, tell me about a little bit about your history in uh, football from high school to college. Yeah. Um, went to Acton Boxford Regional High School where I played. Uh, I wrestled. I played football and lacrosse. Um, I had an older brother who played football at Bentley and, you know, ever since I was a young, young man, I always wanted to be like my brother. So, you know, football was always a, uh, the number one sport for me. Everything else I did was kind of for football. And, um, after high school, um, had a couple of, uh, division two schools, division three schools that I was interested in. Uh, my grades were pretty bad and um, ultimately led me to commit to Springfield College, where I played for three seasons. Um, and then I finished up at Bridgewater State. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, this I'll tell you a bit. I just finished my career at WPI. So uh, we faced Springfield okay. and, uh, yeah, we always had to get ready for a triple option week. We called it because yeah. – yeah, yeah, um, it's yeah. the worst, worst offense ever. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely got uh, my fair share of playing against Springfield. Um, so what made you switch over to Bridgewater State to finish? So I was at Springfield for three years. Um, I was actually elected captain my junior year. And then, um, like, myself and 15 other players were involved in a fist fight um off campus um actually with some uh, AIC kids and um long story short <laughs> long story short uh myself and two other captains you know we took responsibility for everything uh and we ended up getting suspended for that remaining semester and the following semester so after weighing my options um I chose not to go back there you know just because of all the you know previous incident and the target that I felt would be on my back so I ended up enrolling at Bridgewater State and uh one of the funny reasons I did was when I got in trouble I had a lot of resentment towards the program um I didn't feel like uh the, the football program itself handled the situation the right way um so actually the first game the following season was Bridgewater State versus Springfield. So that was uh the main the main catalyst to uh to go to Bridgewater. But um, you know, at the time at twenty one years old, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. You know, I had my life kind of planned out. I was uh, you know, high school, go to college, play some football, get a degree, get a job. And then uh, at 21, when I got thrown out, I got home and, uh, you know, my father 
tough love was like, yeah, like this next part you do on your own. So he, uh, he kicked me out of the house. And, uh, for the first time in my life, I had to kind of grow up and figure some stuff out. So I was landscaping for about six months, saving my money and, uh, had to put myself into school. So that was another reason why I went to a state school and it gave me a ton of perspective. Um, you know, it changed me as a human being. Everything else was kind of laid out before that, you know, show up kind of thing. And now I had to figure out, you know, where I'm sleeping, where I'm eating. And uh, looking back on it, it was a blessing in disguise because I grew more in that year than I had in the previous 21. Um, so when I did finally get to Bridgewater State, I had a whole new perspective. I was super grateful just to be there. And uh, when I when I got uh, to my off-campus apartment, you know, I didn't have cable. I didn't have internet. All I had was, uh, my iTunes and a Bible. And for the first time I, uh, I read the Bible front to back. Yeah. And when I, I had to sit out for a whole year, um, from football and that year was, became a whole new human being. You know, all I did was train, work, go to school, didn't miss a single class, um, because I, I had to not only prove to Bridgewater that I could play, I needed to earn a starting spot with one year. And, uh, you know, the football coach there at the time, Coach Noon, he took a huge chance on me because when I first uh, messaged him about coming to the school, he's like, hey, Rob, I'm going to be honest with you. You've got one year eligibility and, you know, you're marked now as a troublemaker. Um, so... He actually didn't want me at first, which I understand, you know, why would you want to take a risk on a one-year kid that had just got thrown out of school? So um, I had some contacts in the area through my brother. He actually played at Bentley under Peter Yetten, who was a family friend, you know, knew me since I was in eighth grade. And he's like Mr. Massachusetts college football. You know, he's been around forever. And he called uh, Danoon for me and was like, hey, I'm telling you, give this kid a chance, you won't regret it. So uh, when I finally was able to step back on the field in 2013, I was 23 years old. I had done nothing but train and, you know, class train, sleep, eat. And uh, I was a whole whole different person. And uh, because of that, because he gave me that, that chance, you know, my life changed completely. And I'm obviously forever grateful for that opportunity, uh, especially because, you know, I might not have deserved it at that time, or at least I felt like I didn't. And, um, you know, when I, when I did finally get back on the field, I was a whole different person just because it wasn't just like show up and, you know, play football. It was football was a lot more to me at the time because it had been the only thing in my life that had been consistent, you know, since I was a little boy, it was like, that's my thing. That's the thing I'm good at. That's the thing I excel at. And, uh, you know, my family's kind of like, Hey, just go to school and get a degree. Like forget football. Like you got one more year left. And I, you know, thank you for your opinion, but yeah. you know, this is, this has always been here for me. And that's kind of, that's kind of that story in a nutshell. But yeah, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It forced me to grow up. Yeah. I mean, that's the same with me. I've been playing, I played football since I was seven years old. So, when I was trying to make the decision to do my master's program, 
it was an easy decision because I didn't have to think mm-hmm. about it. I they said, all right, you get yeah. an extra football and another degree. Okay, easy, easy choice. Yeah, and got you, got you, got you. Um, that's awesome to hear. So did you, so you graduated in twenty twenty three then? Or I mean, sorry, twenty thirteen. Uh, so twenty thirteen was my last uh, football season, and then I didn't walk till uh, December of twenty fourteen. Okay. So I guess my next question from here would be during this time, especially during that like transition period, what did powerlifting mean to you? Uh, to be honest, I had, I'd kind of grown up um, under my brother lifting at a gym at the time called, uh, was called cats back in the day. It was competitive athletic training zone and all the Bentley football players trained there. So uh, freshman year, I started training with the college kids and, you know, I was a uh, hundred and, Let's see. Freshman year, I was 143 pounds because that's what I wrestled. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, I was this tiny little kid. But, you know, my brother's this massive college football player. So uh, they took me under their wing. You know, I stayed out of their way as much as possible. But being around that group of guys, um, you know, it showed me what I wanted to be. And uh, it showed me how to work. Uh, one of the players that was there at the time, his name was uh, Mackenzie Bernardo. And he was an O-lineman at Bentley with my brother. And he ended up getting drafted by uh, the Panthers, played a couple years there, played another couple years for the Cowboys. And it's like, okay, like, you know, these are just people um, where we hold these people on such a high pedestal. But at the end of the day, they're human beings just like you and me. And that uh, was another perspective that I gained just by training with them. Yeah, that's that's funny. I would not have picked you to be a 143. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i was i was a i was a late bloomer for sure yeah i did so i did wrestling i started my sophomore year and of high school at, i did 220 and then i played i did a couple years in college and then um going into like during covid i was like all right i'm done with wrestling because i want to focus on football because that was around mm-hmm. the time i knew i was coming back for a fifth year and um i'm like 235 so i was wrestling at heavyweight like 50 pounds light because I didn't want to cut to 197. Yeah. I had to pounds every season. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's in- – so, for me, wrestling was, like, a supplement to get better at football. And same with powerlifting. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of fell in love with lifting. And those t- – it was kind of like – same with wrestling. It was like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this, and I have fun with it. So, that's kind of what it meant to me at that time. And I think I did my – so, I did my first meet. It was – I think my junior season of football and um, my coach loves lifting, loves powerlifting, but he wasn't really um, too fond of me doing a powerlifting meet right before the season started. Mm -hmm. And then I did another one like during winter training and he was like, Hey, just wait until you're done with football. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Um, yeah, so training training for me, I didn't I didn't do really any true powerlifting um, growing up. Uh, again, the gym I trained at was all about athletic performance. But you know, we we uh, squat, bench, deadlift, just like every every other uh, gym does. And uh, you know, I was always always in love with the weight room. Like I was the guy that you know in in sixth grade, my brother had a muscle fitness magazine, and I was ripping out the ab workouts and doing them in my room. Uh, my dad bought me a pull-up bar when I was a little kid and I would just put on like uh, the corn CD or Rob Zombie and do as many pull-ups as I could for hours and go check in the mirror to see if I got any bigger. <laughs> That's awesome. 
And then I guess from there, um, once you were kind of finished up with your season, um, talk about a little bit about your journey into the NFL and then a little bit about your time in the NFL. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I never thought I would play in the NFL. Um, you know, was that a dream of mine when I was a little kid? Yeah. But, you know, you listen to people enough, you're not good enough and, you know, focus on other things. So you kind of start to listen to them, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, playing division three football, it's not like, you know, anyone's nope. expecting to play at that level. So my, my, my goal was to, you know, uh, go overseas for a year. You know, I don't didn't know really where uh, play overseas, make some memories, you know, come back to the United States and and start, you know, uh, my big boy career. Um, you know, in a preseason uh, interview um, at Bridgewater, they were asking me, you know, goals for myself, goals for the team, blah, blah, blah. And I had mentioned, you know, I wanted to be an All-American. And actually, after the interview, I asked them if they would cut that out because I didn't want to be that guy. It's like, oh, yeah, I want to be an All-American. And then you're not the All-American. You just kind of feel like an ass or something. So I asked them to cut it out. They're like, yeah, sure. They didn't. <laughs> so that was a, that was a, in the interview. And, uh, you know, that season we were, we ended up being uh, six and four. We were an average team, you know, played hard, but we just weren't very good. Um, but I made it a personal goal that, you know, every person that I went against, you know, you might beat us, but you're not going to beat me. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of anger and resentment just because I felt like, uh, again, Springfield, you know, I deserve to get thrown out a hundred percent, but, you know, a couple things, you know, behind the scenes with like, uh, the program and the coaches, I felt like I at least deserved a, a handshake and a, you know, good luck. And I never received that. They kind of just turned their back on me. So I was, I was an angry, angry, uh, 20, 22 year old now at the time. And, uh, I took that out on the football. Um, and it made me a whole, you know, different monster because especially playing defensive end, like yeah. you can be angry and, uh, and play better where a lot of positions you can't play angry. Yep. Um, so, you know, first game we end up playing Salve Regina, we get our butts kicked and we're down like 30 to nothing. And I'm running backside, you know, backside DN chasing kids 30 yards down the field, hitting them out of bounds just because I'm like, I'm, I'm here. Like I'm here. I worked way too hard to get back here. Like I have something to prove. So after that first game, I think I was like, number one or number two in like tackles for a loss or something like that. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this is cool. Especially where at Springfield, it was a very, um, it was a very strict defense where like yep. you had a job and especially as a D end, it was like taken on two blockers and like, maybe I'd have a tackler to a game that was like a good game. And at Bridgewater, it was a lot more uh, free flowing where you're able to make plays where they didn't have as many rules on you. So um, I was able to, you know, kind of come into my own and really be a true pass rush guy where I wasn't really able to at Springfield. Um, and as the season progressed, you know, I, uh, I jumped out on sacks and uh, tackles for a loss. And, you know, I'm like, I want to be the defensive player of the year. Yep. That was my goal early on. And uh, I ended up finishing like 23 and a half tackles for a loss, which was number one in the nation that year for Division three. I think I had like 12 and a half sacks, like five forced fumbles, a bunch. Of, so I had really good stats. Yeah. Um, ended up winning defensive player of the year and um, got invited to a couple bowl games. Um, and again, the bowl games for me were, 
a chance to play some more football, um, not really expecting anything from it, but some memories and some opportunity to travel. Um, the school helped me out with some of the, uh, the, 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 the flights and the, uh, the plane tickets. So uh, I went to like, the first one I went to was a USA football bowl in Mexico city. We ended up playing this giant Mexican national team who, who was like, we had beat them, I guess, for like 10 years straight. So they put together this like professional roster and they were the biggest people I've ever seen in my life to this day. Um, but that was a cool experience. In Mexico City. And then after that, I got invited to uh, the USA Football Bowl, which I thought would have been my final game. It was um, no, sorry. It was the All-American Bowl, Division Three, and it was in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, again, like I know I'm a good football player, but, you know, I split at a small school in Massachusetts, so I'm not like, oh, I think I'm like, you know, hot shit or anything. And uh, at the All-American Bowl, I ended up uh, winning uh, MVP. Uh, I lit it up. I had like a bunch of tackles for loss, a couple sacks. And uh, an arena team was like, hey, do you want to play for us? Like Right after the game. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, this is cool. Um, again, didn't think I'd ever really have that opportunity. So uh, then things started to get a little bit more serious where I'm like, okay, you know, I can play against, you know, good competition and still dominate. It's not just the Massachusetts circuit. So um, I got invited to the USA football bowl in Alabama, which was D one, two and three. Um, and that was a big test because, you know, you still have that whole like, Oh, am I just good in division three? And uh, I ended up finishing the game with the most tackles on the team. Uh, I had a great game. And then I'm like, okay, like I could play against anyone. This wasn't just a, just a, a D3 thing. And that's when the uh, Miami Dolphins contacted me. You know, hey, we've seen your film. You know, you got to get to a pro day. Uh, we got to see what you can do. So at that time, I think I was taking like maybe like two or three classes. My schedule was light. So I just jumped back into training as hard as I could, you know, with, with really nothing to lose. Um, which I think was a big factor because, um, you know, I wasn't some superstar that, you know, could only be bad if he, he performed, you know, poorly at a pro day. I had everything to to gain and nothing to lose. So um, I tried getting into a couple of pro days and pretty much they're all like, yeah, like not interested. Like we we don't want you at our pro day. You know, you're a D3 guy. Good luck. Um, the Dolphins were like, you need to get into a pro day, blah, blah, blah. So. I ended up hitting up Boston College because um, they're the biggest school around the area. And uh, Boston College told me to kick rocks. They were like, yeah, we don't want a Division three guy coming in, taking a look away from our guys, which I thought was kind of weird. You know, again, a little resentment there, but whatever. Um, and I got into the Harvard Pro Day, which Harvard, being super smart, scheduled their Pro Day for the morning before Boston College was at like noontime. Yep. And Boston College at the time had some big time running back. I forget his name, but he ended up playing for the Giants. He was some stud. So every NFL team had a scout in Boston that day. So at uh, Harvard, um, you know, I had been training my butt off, but, you know, I didn't really know where I was going to stack up. I had been training really hard, but again, I went in there with the nothing to lose mentality. No one cares what you do this day besides you. So. I went there and I did things I've, I've never done. Um, I ran a four, five, uh, four, five, nine laser, which I've never done again in my life. Uh, I benched 225 for 25, jumped to 10 inch vert, jumped to 30 inch vertical, 
you know, had an awesome day. And uh, by the time it got to the linebacker drills, they were trying me out as a linebacker. You know, I was pretty beat, but uh, I went out there. It was the Green Bay linebacker coach at the time. I forget his name, but he threw me probably 30 passes in like five minutes, you know, break down, get back, break out, catch the ball. And I caught every single ball. And I have good hands, but like I, you know, again, I just performed that day. And all of a sudden, like 25 teams come up to me and they're like, dude, who are you? Where are you from? They ask some crazy questions like, um, did your parents go to college? You know, where uh, where did did they graduate? What do they do for work? Blah, blah, blah. So after that, um, I had had an agent um, who was like, you know, he he uh, he was like, yeah, you got to get to a pro day. See how you perform. And after the pro day, uh, you know, I lit it up and he's like, yo, you're going to get a shot somewhere. I'm not sure where. Um, and it came down to the three teams were the uh, Denver Broncos, the Dallas Cowboys and the Indianapolis Colts. And um, ultimately, the Indianapolis Colts were the team that showed the most interest. So um, I didn't get drafted, but I got signed that night after the draft as an undrafted free agent. Um Flew me out to rookie mini camp, which is it's different now, but back then it was like three days or four days, and uh, it was a single practice one day, a single practice one day, and then a double the last day maybe. And uh, you know, it's just helmets. Uh, I was playing linebacker, which I hadn't played since high school, but you know, I went out there and uh, I performed really well. Um, just because I didn't have any bad habits as a linebacker, I literally like saw a hole, ran through it, made a play dropped back and pass coverage, locked on the first guy and stayed with him. Um, and at the end of the three days, um, you know, there's 90 guys there running around in helmets. And, uh, you know, I that that to me was a dream. To put an NFL helmet on was like, that was my goal, uh, you know, once I realized I had that potential. And uh, the, D, uh, the linebacker coach came up to me at the end of the uh, three days and he said, hey, listen, he goes, I don't, I'm not in charge of who gets signed and who doesn't, but I'm telling you, you have what it takes to play in this league. You just need some development, but you, and I'm like, this is the guy who coached Ray Lewis and, and, and coach Fitzy in uh, Baltimore. So for him to say that to me, that was another like, okay, like yeah. you can do this. Um, and uh, so that was, that was huge. I didn't get signed after rookie minicamp. I think they signed like one guy, maybe two. Yep. Uh, so they sent me home and uh this is actually a, this actually backtracks a little bit, but just to step back for a second, I was training uh, in the summer at my high school and I was running a 90 degree day on like a Saturday morning. And uh, this little kid comes up to me and I don't know who he was, who he was there with. There was no one else there. He was way too young to be by himself. And he looked at me and he goes, you're Robert Giro, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I remember watching you. You wore number one, right? I was like, yep. And he goes, are you going to go to the NFL? And I said, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I never really thought of that before. He goes, well, I yeah. think you can. And I don't know if you believe in that kind of thing, but I don't know where that kid came from. I don't know where he went to after that. But uh, that was one of those moments where it was like, okay, is this like divine intervention? Like, was that a sign? I don't know. Um, but so then preseason's getting ready to start. And my agent's like, you know, just stay ready. Just stay ready. Just stay ready. You're going to get a call. So preseason starts first week, nothing. You know, I'm, I'm training, it's 95 degrees out on the turf, sweating, working hard, you know, week two, nothing, week three, nothing. And I'm like, all right, like it's getting harder and harder to come out here every day because, you know, 
what are you doing this for? Um, but I just kept grinding, kept grinding. And then uh, my brother got married. I think it was like August 27th or something like that. And uh, the Colts called me while I was at my brother's wedding. And they're like, hey, uh, when can you when can you get on a plane? And I'm like, uh, tomorrow. Yep. And they're like, okay, you're on the first plane tomorrow morning. So I go out there. I think it was like uh, maybe like a Monday of this week uh, of that week. And uh, I get out there and practice for a bunch of days. And we have our first game Saturday night against the uh, um, the New Orleans Saints. And it's the Saturday night game, week three. So it's like the big one, the one that, uh, you know, all the starters play. It's the Saturday night premiere game. Yep. And uh, the Saints came up to Lucas Oil. And I remember seeing like Ben Watson and, and uh, Drew Brees. And I'm like, wow, like this is the real deal. And uh, I'm like last on the depth chart. And at the end of the game, they scoop me ahead of this kid that was ahead of me on the depth chart. And they go get it in there. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I just ran down and hit someone as hard as I can. Type thing on punt, punt return, and kickoff, and yep. cuts for that Monday, and uh, I made that first cut. So I'm like, wow, like this is this is real. Um, and so then we're getting ready for that last week of preseason now. It's so it's week four, and uh, we're getting ready to play the Cincinnati Bengals, and we take a bus up to Cincinnati because it's like a relatively close which kind of stunk but we get up to Cincinnati and uh you know I'm gonna play a lot more in this week four game because the week four game no starters are gonna see the field so um I go out there on kick return literally right before kick return he goes you're gonna go play tight end on kick return I'm like I, I don't know what that is he goes go stand at the numbers when they kick the ball run to the uh returner he's gonna say fire hit the first person you see so again i'm like uh okay like whatever and uh it was the biggest hit of my life i i i'm running down the field full speed guys coming at me he's got big eyes for the running back he doesn't see me coming and i hit him as hard as i could and uh he goes flying you know i look up to my family the whole stadium spinning i see stars and run off the field and i'm like all right like cool like this is uh this is the nfl like you can do this well, later in that game, I remember uh, chasing down a running back in the backfield. And, again, I was always, like, fast. Like, no one ever outran me. And this running back just turned on the Jets and just simply ran around me. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> that's the, that's these guys. Like, this is the real deal. So, um, after that game, that following Monday was the final cuts, which uh, they cut me on that Monday. Um, and then maybe two weeks later, they signed me back to the practice squad. Um, on the practice squad, I, I don't think people really understand what the practice squad is, you know, kind of like, oh, your practice squad, like, yeah, you're right, I was on the practice squad, but practice squad does everything everyone else does just on game day, you're in sweats and a t-shirt instead of, uh, instead of pads, and, uh, you know, you're getting paid well, but if you do get that active roster bump, your pay goes from like seven, seven grand a week to 30 grand a week, which, uh, I never got that active roster bump, um. So after being on the practice squad, uh, we ended up, I ended up getting cut for the third time. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not really sure, like, what's going to happen next. They're talking about futures contracts and, and uh, you know, everything. And then before you know it, kind of football was over before I even realized that it was, which kind of stunk. But uh, 
I ended up playing for a, a, a arena team down in uh, Jacksonville for a couple weeks. And uh, that was not fun. The pay was terrible. And uh, that was kind of that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. It's kind of, it's cool to always see someone come from like D3 and may have like a chance in the NFL. And I feel like over the yeah. past five, 10 years, it's been a lot more prevalent because the level yeah, for sure. increasing in every single division. For sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. And then um, like, obviously like with powerlifting, I think it has a good translation to like athletic performance and um with being in the NFL, like strength is huge more than just being yeah. able to play. It actually is huge for injury prevention as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess kind of, we got a couple more minutes left. So to kind of wrap things up, I know you recently started working for Stonehill. Um, mm-hmm. What's um in terms of athletes that if they want to get into powerlifting or, um, kind of recommendations for them to kind of increase their athletic performance through powerlifting. What's your recommendation for that? So all of our guys at Stonehill, you know, we do some type of powerlifting. Um, our, our O-linemen, our D-linemen, they're doing a lot more traditional squat bench and deadlift. Our, uh, our linebackers tight end, they're doing, you know, squat bench and deadlift, but they're also staying athletic. And then I call them like our, our, our Mustangs, you know, our fast guys. They're still doing some type of squat bench deadlift. It's just they're they're already fast. They're already strong. We're just trying to get them a little bit, you know, a little bit more pop, if you will. So everyone does pretty much, you know, the fundamentals of powerlifting. It's just how it varies in the in the programming. Um, and, you know, anyone that says, you know, powerlifting isn't good for an athlete. I mean, there's a huge disconnect in the strength and conditioning world and uh, the powerlifting world. You know, there's a lot of guys out there who are super strong powerlifters, and there's a lot of coaches out there who aren't very strong that are anti-powerlifting. But, you know, yeah. you show me the guy doing single leg uh, kettlebell box squats and the guy doing, you know, heavy barbell back squats, there's, there's a difference there. I mean, there's a time and a place for everything, but uh, I think a lot of strength and conditioning professionals get very cute with their stuff where it's like, hey, this stuff is tested, tried, and proven, and if you really want to get you guys bigger, stronger, and faster – this is the most efficient way to do it. Yeah. I think, I think every, like a lot of strength coaches, I think, or not a lot, but some kind of try to overcomplicate things. It's not a hundred percent kind of simple, like just fucking lift heavy weight. Like, yeah. <laughs> it'll make yeah. It better. It's like, yeah. And then, and then you sprinkle your athletic stuff in there. It's, it's, it's not complicated. It's okay. Our guys are going to run, jump, slam and sprint, and then they're yeah. going to lift heavy and then they're going to do their accessory work. Um, and, and people like to like to complicate that and say their way is the best. But again, this stuff's been around for a very long time. And the strongest people I know do traditional powerlifting. Yeah, fully agree. Um, so for you personally, what are some of your personal goals for powerlifting in the, in the career or the near future? Um, so before I ride off into the sunset with powerlifting, I really want to hit a, a 2K total raw. I'm at a 1941 right now. Um, obviously progress is slow at this point uh you know it takes a while to gain five pounds on any lift but uh personally there's no way that I ever stop doing this at all but as far as competing wise I need to hit that uh that that 2,000 total for myself that's awesome yeah that's personally my my goal for I want to hit the 2k raw and then I think from there I might try to go to the equip side a little bit there you go yeah 
Yeah, I've, uh, I've thought about the equip. My my lifts just take so long as it is. I can't imagine adding a suit <laughs> into that. Yeah. Um, what what uh, weight class do you compete at? Uh, two seventy five. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to do it at 242, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. It's a competitive yeah. class. I'd say 220, 242, and 275 are the uh, the freakiest people in the gym. For sure. Right for now. Sure. At least. And then uh, I guess my last question for you are in terms of your career goals, um, whether it be continuing strength coaching or anything, what are your future goals for that? Uh, I don't have a you know, I have some ideas of where I'd like to, to end up at, but I love the uh, the college strength conditioning uh, area just because as a former football player, you know, it's, it's a chance to be involved in the game again and impact these lives on a daily basis. So these kids, uh, I spend more time with them than their families and the football coaches than anyone else. And uh, I have a huge impact on them. And, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, what we do is sometimes we don't get compensated financially as much as we want. But when I have guys from, you know, I started at Stonehill in 2015 as an assistant and I still have guys from that class that are like, hey, coach, you know, I remember when we did this and, you know, that was awesome. And you got me super motivated. And, you know, kids who graduate come back to me and they're like, dude, like you completely changed the uh, the culture of the program and everything. Um, so. I, I truly love my job, and I tell people if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would still be doing the uh, the Stonehill strength conditioning for sure. Um, as far as where I'd like to end up one day, I don't know, maybe maybe at a a, a higher level eventually, maybe you know like a uh, like an ACC or something like that type of school. But uh, at the same time, you know, being focused on 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 that stuff all the time it's like all right being present you're not in a bad spot you know what i mean without without getting complacent at the same time that's awesome yeah i mean you've had an awesome journey and it was awesome talking to you today um i want to say thank you again yeah. for time no problem so this it concludes episode seven of the powerlifters then uh thank you rob once again and no problem